Hi, I'm Lara Bennett, and you're listening to Highway Butterfly, the stories of Neil Cassell. Neil was a gifted singer, songwriter, musician, and friend to many. He released 14 albums as a solo artist and collaborated on countless projects with other musicians. After his passing in 2019, his friends and family created the Neil Cassell Music Foundation to provide instruments and music lessons to students in New York and New Jersey and to support organizations that offer musicians mental health care. One of the featured projects of the newly formed foundation is the tribute album, Highway Butterfly, The Songs of Neil Cassell, a sprawling 41-song collection bringing together a galaxy of rock and roots luminaries. We've asked the contributing musicians to share their memories of Neil and their stories of making the record. Highway Butterfly, The Songs of Neil Cassell is out on November 12th. Pre-order the album and learn more about the Neil Cassell Music Foundation at neilcassellmusicfoundation.org. Hi, Aaron. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for joining. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So you recorded Traveling After Dark for Highway Butterfly, the songs of Neil Cassell, and you're currently on the road right now apparently, which viewers can see. <laughs> You're actually yes. in the van. Yes. Um, <laughs> how does it feel to be back at it? It feels amazing in so many ways. I mean, it's been an interesting experience, obviously, with the Delta variant and stuff like that. But overall, it's a huge relief to be able to to get back out there and, and get together with folks again and, and share music and do it safely. Right on. Well, as a listener, um, I'm very excited that concerts are back. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So how did you first meet Neil Casal? I first met Neil Casal in 2000. And I think it was, it was either 2007 or 2008. My friend Kevin Kinney from Driving and Crying and I used to have a, a weekly night of music together in New York City, where we both lived at that time. And it was called Shaney Ray's Truck Stop. It was an event that Kevin and I sort of emceed, and then our friend Shaney Ray curated it. And uh, she was longtime friends with Neil, and we used to have different musician friends who were on tour coming through New York for their shows or whatever, come down and, and play a few songs for everybody uh, in our show. And one Monday evening, uh, Neil Casal walked in and walked up on stage and played a few of his songs and I knew um, who he was, you know, through his work with, you know, many of the um, fantastic bands that he worked with. Uh, but I'd never heard his music before. That was my first time ever hearing Neil's music. And I was so just blown away by the expressiveness of his songs, his how beautiful his voice was, you know, what an amazing charisma he had as a performer and it was hugely inspirational to me because I at that time I was kind of treading you know between these two worlds of trying to figure out how to be a songwriter but I was making a living as a guitarist and so I was kind of like what do I do you know and and is it possible to even do both of those things or whatever so Neil was really inspiring to me in that way because I knew him as this great guitarist, but then I, I saw in that moment that he was also like this really inspiring solo artist. And that's a rare thing. So 
that was my very first experience, both meeting Neil and hearing his own music for the first time in the same night. That's quite an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it sure was. Very cool. So cut to a couple years later, and you were around for some hardworking Americans recording sessions. Is that right? Yeah, that was kind of where we sort of bonded, me and Neil. You know, I had done some touring in the New York Dolls, playing the Johnny Thunders parts in their music. And Neil was a huge Johnny Thunders fan. And we somehow got onto that topic of conversation and just, you know, that was the thing, like Neil just loved music so much and he loved talking music so much. And he had such a, an appreciation and therefore a depth of knowledge, you know, for it. And so you could just talk to him about this stuff forever. And, and so we, we became buddies at the, at that hardworking American session and then started emailing, you know, back and forth about, you know, music. It was a lot of Johnny Thunder stuff because we both really loved him. But um, yeah, he just kind of, and I know, I think a lot of people have that experience with Neil where he just sort of became this lifelong sort of musical compadre, you know? Yeah, he definitely had like an encyclopedic knowledge. And yeah, if you tried to introduce someone to him, he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know their entire history. That's totally. <laughs> Um, and then you went on tour with him for a while with Hardworking Americans. Is that right? Yeah, I, I actually, my when I put out my first record on New West Records, came out in 2016. And that was right around the same time as the Hardworking Americans were kind of like really getting going and stuff. And so they invited me and my band to open a few shows for them, um, which we did and obviously absolutely loved. We were all huge fans of the various bands that that band was made up of. But it was kind of cool, you know, Neil, like having had seen Neil's work in a few different groups in that time, like by the time I was touring with Hardworking Americans, it was kind of cool to see how like he brought a special thing in a different way to like each band. Like his versatility was really like apparent to me through the years of like seeing him play, but like in that band, particularly in hardworking Americans, they covered such a wide range of styles and the jams were obviously were uh, pretty epic uh, as well. But, um, you know, his ability to kind of like just do all that different music and always bring something special to it, um, always bring something musical and and something that sort of like gave that gave you know these these little musical lifts you know throughout the songs he just had a really special knack for for doing that you know i guess it's because you know he was an artist in his own right too like he had such an appreciation for how songs came together and what it was that made them work that he was able to sort of like paint as a guitar player with that brush a little bit and always was finding ways inside of them and never doing anything that like got in the way or was distracting or anything. Totally. Really cool. So you recorded Neil's song Traveling After Dark from the 2006 album No Wish to Reminisce. So let's have a quick listen to a clip of that song. I'm traveling after dark. I'm running down the road straight into the heart of a place I've never known. I'm looking for a sign guided by the stars until I see your light I'm just traveling after dark Would we take the part of you the one 
gotta head back to the stars Until you make it back We're just traveling after dark Now let's listen to Neil's version. We all want something real And we're all hoping to find A closer way to feel Just one thing to remind Just one way to forgive Sometimes you fall too far about this song and the album no wish um was neil's maximalist album that he recorded with michael deming who also recorded beachwood sparks debut album um, in connecticut at studio 45 and he'd made his last several albums pretty quickly so with this one he had a chance to spend a lot of time doing overdubs and more layering he was really seeking a psychedelic dreamlike kind of sound and he went with uh, Jeff Hill and Dan Fidel for a few days to add rhythm. And then after that, Neil spent about two weeks at the studio, literally camped out on the floor uh, between the amps and drums, just working with Michael Deming, who wrote a couple beautiful string arrangements that ended up on the album that Neil was really excited about and counted as his happiest recording moments. And yeah, that's how we... <laughs> have this beautiful, like, very elaborate, very different album that's, you know, kind of strayed from what was classified as more like Americana um, to something really, really dreamy. So I'm wondering, Aaron, why you chose this song to record? I mean, I think, you know, you said a lot of the reason why in the way that you were just describing the album itself. And to me, this song specifically encapsulates so much of that dreaminess. I feel like I connected with it in part because it has a very similar kind of aesthetic to what I do in my own music. It was one of those moments where I kind of felt, you know, uh, a kinship uh, with another musician just by listening to the record. You know, sometimes I think that can happen when you're a songwriter, you know, you can, you can hear somebody else's song and almost feel this, this, this familial relation to them, like by what they're saying and the way they've approached it and, and all that kind of stuff. And that whole album, but specifically that song just really spoke to me in that way where I felt like, it was something that I could sing and it would feel believable, you know, because at the end of the day, like, that's really what I want as a listener. I just, I want to believe the singer, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, that particular song, the, the sentiment of the lyrics and this sort of combination of, of this sort of very beautiful melodic sensibility, you know, but, but this sweet sadness, this very like, yeah, just like tugging at your heartstrings kind of the whole time. 
I really related to that a lot. Um, and so it was a combination kind of, of, of both what Neil was saying in the song and then how he had kind of approached, as you say, the kind of more lush and kind of dreamlike production on the record and the song specifically. Very cool. So I also wanted to mention that there is an incredible demo of Traveling After Dark that listeners can hear on the All Directions compilation. It's full of demos and rare cuts, and I encourage everyone to go check it out if you haven't. Did you listen to that one beforehand? So good. Yeah. I did, yeah. Loved it. That's like, I think really epitomizes what you're talking about, that, that sweet sadness or yes. sad sweetness. That's um, Absolutely. Yeah. So how else did you prepare to record this song? Well, I knew that I was going to be working with Dave uh, Schools and, and Jim Scott at Pliers. Both of those collaborations were definitely like dream collaborations of mine as far as like people like that you would ever want to work with. It's like both of those guys have made so much music that I love through the years. And then what was really beautiful for me when I got there was to see how many old friends from New York you know, we're on the session as well. You know, John Graboff, for example, is a guy that I've known for a long, long time and have always wanted to do something with in the studio. And to get to come together to honor our friend Neil was like so special, you know. So I really, I just tried to put myself in the headspace of, of the song. One of the things that strikes me about the lyrics of the song there is that, again, that sweet sadness to it, but like, it's also written like with an open heart. There's a sense of curiosity to it that feels, you know, ultimately like still kind of hopeful to me. So it's, there's a lot at least that I am pulling from emotionally, like from the lyrics. And I was really just trying to get inside of like each part of the song and like, and just try to figure out the best way to channel those emotions. Because again, it's like, if they're not mine, I, I didn't write the song, like I connect with what's being said, but ultimately they're the thoughts and feelings of somebody else. So like, I'm trying to like present those in a way that's like believable. So just trying to get inside of those lines and like find the way to sing them that feels real to me, you know? Mm -hmm. So along with John Grayboff and Dave Schools playing on this song, we also have Jesse Acock Alex Coford, Tony Leone, Adam McDougall, and Jim Scott also plays on the song. So how was it working with all of Neil's old friends and bandmates? I mean, it's so, so much fun. Uh, Tony was one of the first musicians I ever saw play when I moved to New York City. Wow. Um, he had a band called Olabel, and they used to play at this little tiny club called Banjo Jim's that was on 9th Street and Avenue C. And I went to the show and they did a cover of this old spiritual song called Riverside. And they kind of have reinvented the, um, the song. Um, and people are probably, I'm going to lay down my burden down by the riverside. But they had totally reinvented the song. And when they, like, when they came in and started singing, like it was so beautiful. Like I'll never, I just started crying. Like I was just standing in this tiny bar, like, packed in there with a bunch of people like just crying because it was so pretty i'll never forget that so it's it's cool because in a lot of ways you know these guys are kind of like you know i'm i'm younger than they are but like i 
when I got to New York, they were some of the first musicians I saw play and, you know, idolized them mm -hmm. and thought, man, I should keep working really hard so I can be a musician like that someday. So to get to work with them and at the same time, again, be doing it in remembrance of, of our friend Neil, who he built great community, Neil did. He really was a part of encouraging so many musicians and, and having those meaningful connections with other musicians through the years. So it just, I don't know, it breaks my heart, you know, in so many ways that Neil isn't here anymore. But to get to be with this group of people to perform his songs just feels like the closest thing we can get to heaven. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. So what does the mission of the Neil Cassell Music Foundation mean to you personally? It's a really important thing because it's something that we tend to overlook, you know, or not talk about the mental health of ourselves and each other. And the relationship that musicians have with their mental health can be, you know, really up and down if they're spending a lot of time on the road. You know, I mean, I know that personally, um, but also, you know, I've seen through the years, you know, multiple, you know, friends who do this for a living struggle with that. So, you know, it's an important thing because it's something that affects all of us. And it's, it's some, it's, we need to normalize the discussion more um, so that it, we make it okay for people to say, I need help, you know, and to reach out and not feel isolated. It's, a you know, traveling on the road as a musician, it's so funny because you're constantly engaging with people throughout the day, but it's also a very isolating experience at the same time. You're, inter you're constantly internalizing all of your feelings and, and emotions, and there oftentimes isn't a space to, you know, let any of that out. So I think the Neil Casal Foundation is great because it shines a light on issues like that, that we really need to be able to normalize and talk about and, and change the, the perspective um, you know, that we have that if you're dealing with these issues, it's something private. It's something you can't share with your friends. It's something you can't reach out to, you know, managers or tour managers or, you know, whoever is, is out there with you. We need to create lifelines so that people don't feel alone and don't feel isolated and feel like that, you know, if they need help, they can get it. Right. So you released an album earlier this year, that's great. And one of the central themes is overcoming mental health challenges and anxiety. So how have you found strength and confidence and overcome these issues and anxiety and things like that? Well, I've tried really hard to create a, a level of consciousness for myself where I'm aware of what's happening in my body. I'm aware of what's happening with the way that I'm feeling every day. And when the times come when that stuff gets heavy, like I have learned to, you know, find ways to, to get the help that I need. You know, I think there are resources out there that are, you know, available to musicians, Musicians Health Alliance and, and things like that. Um, certainly now the Neil Casal Music Foundation, but there, you know, there are resources out there for people, you know, to get help if they need it. But again, I think it's, you know, it's about 
uh, making sure that we're sharing those and and normalizing that process and so, you know so i've i've found ways to you know do therapy sessions and stuff like that while i'm on the road via zoom and stuff like that if i need to i've built a, a support system you know within our touring team that i know like i can you know rely on if, if i need to put my hand up and say hey you know you know, I'm having a tough time or, or whatever, um, you know, I know people will be responsive to that. So I think, it, you know, there are intentional things that, you know, we as artists can do to, you know, foster and create these environments where we can uh, feel safe, but we have to, we have to be our own advocates in a lot of ways. You know, we can't, in so many times as an artist, I feel like it's, it's easy to say, oh, there's so many things for me to focus on. Like, I can't make that my job and make that my job and make that my job, you know. But it's important when it's something like this, when it's your own mental health and well-being, uh, you should never be afraid to be, you know, as much of an advocate for yourself about that, you know, as you need to be. Um, because at the end of the day, you've got to, your heart and mind have to be right when you're out there, um, because the road is a, is not a, a particularly forgiving place a lot of times, you know. So, you know, we can build these support systems for ourselves, but we have to we have to advocate for ourselves along the way to get it done. That's really great advice. So thank you for sharing that. And to wrap things up, I wanted to ask a specific question about one of these hardworking American sessions. Speaking of kind of meeting your heroes, I know that Guy Clark actually showed up at one of these sessions. You were there for that, right? I sure was, yeah. What was that like? Because I imagine that he's kind of a hero to everyone involved. Oh, my God, totally. I mean, it was, I I did get to watch him and that hardworking Americans were recording a song of guys that day. And I did get to watch Neil and Guy like sit in the control room together and like work out like what they were going to play on guitar for the song, which was amazing um i mean guy clark it's like you know i mean his shadow weighs two tons man you know what i mean like the the guy like you can feel that he's in the building you know what i mean you don't even need to be in like the same room i do remember they had rented some extraordinarily fancy martin acoustic guitar for guy to play on the session you know from like the 1300s or you know some amazing old guitar that was probably worth a gazillion dollars and um and neil was playing it at one point and he was like man check out this this guitar man like this guitar is like amazing <laughs> and he handed it to me and I, I i don't think i ever even got it i just immediately dropped it <laughs> immediately and him and Todd Snyder were sitting there and like they both just started laughing so hard at me I caught it right before it hit the ground thank goodness but I was so clumsy I was just like it's so funny man because I was just a nervous like 26 year old kid you know that like was suddenly in in this room with like a million of my heroes um and I and I remember Neil was really cool uh, and sort of maybe even I don't know he's maybe sensed that about me and he was like hey man like is it cool like can we like go into the control room for a minute I'd love to take your picture or whatever you know and and he kind of sat me down on the couch and handed me a guitar and 
and just talked to me about music for a few minutes and like took my picture. And actually I felt like way better after that. So I don't know, man, he's, he was just an intuitive, maybe he was empathically feeling that or something, but you know, that was, yeah, it was, it was an amazing moment. <laughs> yeah. That story is just keeps giving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron. Well, thank you so much for sharing these stories and memories and take care while you're out there on the road. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Okay, talk to you later. Okay, bye. This podcast is brought to you by Backline, the music industry's mental health and wellness resource hub. Launched in 2019, Backline gives artists, crews, and their families quick and easy access to mental health and wellness resources. Backline provides individuals with case management and offers virtual support groups as well as yoga, meditation, and breath work. To donate, learn more, or get in touch for personalized care, visit backline.care. That's B-A-C-K-L-I-N-E dot C-A-R-E. Thanks for listening to Highway Butterfly and the stories of Neil Casal. Tune in next week to hear more from the artists who made this tribute album a reality. Highway Butterfly the Songs of Neil Casal is out on November 12th. All album net proceeds go to the Neil Casal Music Foundation. You can pre-order the album and learn more at neilcasalmusicfoundation.org. Osiris.